0: I'm a savage, yeah, classy, bougie, uh, ratchet, yeah,
1: sassy, moody,
0: hey, nasty. Hey. What's up, Savage Boss Babes and dudes? it's Diana once again inside the Savage Studio, and I am super excited to have this uh, following guest that we have today. Thank you so much, Rachel, for coming out and making the time to uh, be part of this podcast and uh, be able to share your story. We're, we're really excited. I'm really excited to have you here. Rachel Calamaco. Yes. Calamaco. Where does that come from, Rachel?
1: It's um, Spanish and German. So it's like combination of two names. I don't know. It goes back years and years somehow. But that's what my dad says. Family history, like double barrel last name. So Cool. Yeah.
0: I like it. It sounds different. <laughs> I had never heard it before.
1: <laughs> Thank you. So tell us about yourself. Where are you from? I grew up in Abilene, a little town up north, like four hours from here. Grew up there with my dad and my brother, just us three. Then we, I moved to Chicago to go live with my mom. Um, lived in Chicago for a little bit, probably, I think I was like eighth grade until I turned 20. Then I wanted to be closer to my dad again, so I moved back here, but I knew I didn't want to go to Abilene because it's too small, like small little town, so I moved to San Antonio where my sisters were um, living at the time, and I've just been here since, so...
0: So tell us about your childhood. Did you grow up here in San Antonio?
1: Not in San Antonio. I grew up in Abilene. Okay. Uh, childhood was um, intense. It was just me, my brother, and my dad. Um, we grew up, well, he was a single, single dad. Um, then he met my stepmom. We moved in with her. Kind of have like a blended family then because it was um, us three, her, and then her kids. She had two girls and a son who moved out. But it was really tough. Like it was. um, Was the
0: blending of the families tough? Was that what was hard? Yeah. Yeah. I
1: think it was that. It was also my dad worked a lot. You know, like that's all he had known is like to work, to support us. He tells me like when he was 40 and this is something I I love. It's like my dad has a ton of wisdom. And one thing he told me, he's like, you um, live two lives in this world. He's like my life changed and I lived another life when I turned 40. And that's when he gave up everything from his past to like raise my brother and I, and he started a whole new life, which was just straight working, taking care of us, providing for us. And so I really love that concept because I see it as like being born again, you know, like you're just, your life transitions into something new and different. Um, that's just a little side note, but, um, yeah, it was tough. Like the blending, you know, um, but even just like moving into somebody and like, like being into in a house that's like, okay, this is not like, is this our home? Is this not our home? Like, how long is this going to last? Is this like permanent? You know, my dad. Was, so you
0: went in kind of doubting whether yeah. it was going to be.
1: Yeah. Like is this a like, forever
0: home or not. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I was a second grade girl. So it was like, I was so young. Super and young. We were like, you know, but we went from being completely poor. Like my dad, like we lived in my grandma's old abandoned house. And so we, there were times we had no electricity. Like it was just me and my dad and my brother. Um, we were like taking baths in like really cold water. Cause we had no heater. Like there was like, it was tough. Like we didn't even have, it was just like, I remember just like a bedroom because the whole house had been like burnt down. And so like, we didn't really, we didn't have like a family room. We didn't have any that. we were living in that house because it was so tough for us or for my dad. Um, we'd like read books with like candles sometimes. And so, but that's all, that's the only, that's all I had known until, um, We moved into this house with my stepmom, you know, and then it was just way different. Like it was just a completely different shift. So I was like trying to even just adapt to that, you know, at any point, did you feel secure moving into this home? I mean,
0: coming from from what you just described.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess I felt like I guess we felt excited because it was like a new place, you know, and um, where that was was in Stanford. So that's probably about a 45 minute drive out of Abilene. So to us, Abilene was like the city. So we were moving to the city, you know, into this new house where we had you know, trying to build, like, just, like, an everyday life, like, you have breakfast, you go to school, you know, like, a routine, you know, you come home, you do your homework, and so it wasn't until that time that we actually started, like, seeing, like, a, a somewhat of a routine in our life, you know, but, yeah, I guess it gave us, like, a little bit of, like, just, like, joy that it was, like, okay, this is something new and exciting that we're, like, going into, so going to the, you know, the, the
0: weeks, the months, the, possibly the years start going by, what was it growing up in this blended family?
1: What was that like? It was different. Like when I think back of my childhood and I've re- within the last couple of years, I've reflected back on my childhood a lot just due to like a lot of trauma um, that I went through personally. Um, I think back and it's like it's very to be honest it's very clouded a lot of it but like the memories that I do have are like a combination of really great memories and then really like bad memories and so so it became more stable for us like my stepmom started like playing like like an actual role of a mother so she was like the first like motherly figure I had in my life Um, as far as like setting standards and whatnot and like caring for us and taking care of us. My dad was always at work. Um, he worked really hard or sometimes he'd work overnight. He'd usually go out too. And so like, he loves, he loves to dance even now, like he'd go to like the dances and stuff. And so, um, it was kind of just, I don't know, like, like just like a, a weird trying to settle in, you know, my brother and I like not knowing, you know, just coming into this house, trying to settle in with this family, um, it was a little, it was, it was kind of different, but then we started getting a little like routine going within our family. We knew like the days that my dad was off, we were going to go bike riding or, you know, and my dad made very intention, like was very intentional about setting time to still keep us going. Like he'd take bike rides with my brother and I, or take us to the park, um, or do certain things with us. So that way he, like, we felt like we were still, you know, like close to him, you know, despite him having to work all the time.
0: Was it during the time that you were living in this home or, or at what point did you start uh, having those feelings that you've talked about through your social media um, of depression or anxiety or things like that?
1: That started when I moved to Chicago. So I went through a lot um, as, as a young, I was exposed to like sexual things at a very young age. And so like, I mean, I was probably like in third grade. The first time I got exposed to these things, through like my stepsister- Um, just like dating people and having people in and out of the house. Um, it was just really like, I didn't know growing up that until now as an adult, that that's not okay. And it's not normal. I thought these were all normal things because I had never known anything other than that. I mean, I was in third grade, you know, and so my going into middle school years, like I started following Sue and like trying to date boys and do all these things and kissing boys behind the school and like getting in trouble. My dad was very adamant because my step-sister got pregnant at 13 years old and he had that fear that that was going to happen to me. So he put, it was very strict, like very, very strict. And like um, he had like a no tolerance rule with with all of that, and so I started getting in trouble in school. And then um, they ended up splitting up. My stepmom and my dad split up. Um, we went. My brother and I went to go live with my cousins and my um, aunt and uncle because my dad only had a shop at that time, so he was living there. Well, I started getting in trouble in school, and um, of course, boys and all of this. And so my dad was just so terrified that I was going to fall into a teenage pregnancy and fall into all these things. So he sent me to live with my mom in Chicago. But I never met my, my biological mother. Like I had never, I hadn't met her until I was in sixth grade. So I didn't know her. And I met her in sixth grade. So all of a sudden you just get told, hey, you're going to go
0: live with your mom, the one yeah. that you don't know.
1: Yeah. And it was more of like, he was more afraid. Like I remember, I remember the exact day. This is like one of the things I do remember my childhood. He was like, um, why do you keep acting up? Like, do you just want to go live with your mom? Because her and I kept in contact when I met her because I just craved some kind of relationship from her when I, from the time that I met her. So we talk on the phone, um, she'd send us cards and stuff like that. And like, I remember, I just loved that, that attention from her like that. Like I felt like she cared, you know? Um, and so I don't know how she got thrown in the mix when my dad just like, in an argument was like, do you just want to go live with her? And I said, yes, fine, just send me over there. And that's just how it happened. And it was like, wait, what? Like, what's going to happen? And so I didn't realize at that time I I was only 14. And so I just did it out of like, yes, like just get me out of here because I'm in trouble. But also my dad, um, I remember it was like the hardest decision he's ever had to do. And we'll talk about it to this day, him and I. um, Like the day that I left, um, we went to, we were in his shop and he like, took me and this is the first time that I ever like saw my dad cry um he like took me by his bedside we kneeled down by the bed and we prayed together and he was like bawling and he's like praying for God's protection over me and like this whole thing and I was like oh my gosh and I saw the pain and the sacrifice that he had to make because um he couldn't he didn't know how to raise a girl and he like I said we talk about it now as adults like he was just so afraid that he, he felt like he was losing grasp of me and I was going to end up like everyone else in my, in my neighborhood, in the whole city there. I mean, now like, you know, they're all teenage pregnancies and, you know, like don't really have a lot going for them. And he just feared that. So that was a sacrifice he had to make. And so I was just like, yeah, like, okay, let's go. And so I moved there. Um, when I was in eighth grade. was Did you leave by yourself or did your brother go along with you? No, it was just me. So my brother stayed with my dad. Um, He stayed there. So it was just me. Like my uncle, I remember my uncle drove me to San Antonio so I can get on a plane. And I took a plane um, by myself to Chicago. My mom picked me up and it was a totally different life from that point forward. Like it was no, I, I never felt a sense of security. There was, it felt like she was more of like a friend than anything else. There was no like parental guidance. And she tried like, Oh, these are the rules and these, but it just wasn't there. And so I just like was walling out because I was under my dad's household for so long where he was so strict. We couldn't do anything. We could hardly play in the front yard because he just had this like protection kind of like, you know, parenting, um, uh, like fear almost. Um, so when I went to my mom, to my mom, it was like, just whatever. I just, you had out. that taste of freedom pretty yeah. much. Yeah. It was crazy. I was like, I was like dating guys. I was like saying that, like, I knew, I, like, I felt what it was to be like an actual teenager, you know, like going out and, and I had like some guidance from my mom, but there was never like a true sense. And this is, I learned this actually when I went through counseling um, a couple years ago, that I'd never really had a true sense of like actual guidance, you know, like from a mom, like this is what life is like. And this is what, you know, like I remember even when I was talking to my stepmom when she was talking to me about periods and stuff, I remember she like talked about it. Like it was a shameful thing. It was like, okay, so it's going to happen and it's going to change your life and this and that. But it was never like, even with, with my mom in Chicago, like there was never any kind of like, a loving kind of like affectionate, you know, like motherhood, you know, or like a relationship. And so it was just way different. And so um, I looked up to my sister a lot who lived up there with her. Uh, My sister was going through a really deep depression because she had just gone through a divorce. Um, But she was it's almost like if I was just craving some sort of like mentor or some like a role model. And so my mom was not that. So my sister was I spent a lot of time with her. So I listened to music she listened to, um, and I fell into Sue and I just like, that's when I went into this crazy dark period in my life that I didn't even realize until being an adult that was like not okay. And like,
0: how old did you say that you were at this point that you, that you ended up over there with your mom? Um, 14, 14. Was, and then mm-hmm. it, it went as
1: far as, I mean, how, how long uh, like, did it take? All the way through high school. Okay. Because I actually, I actually moved out of my house when I was 17 Um, I moved out when I was 17. I moved in with a guy that I was dating at the time. And then him and I were together for a few years. And that's when I moved back to Texas. But yeah, I was literally in (laughs) it. It's so funny, because I look back at my pictures, I went through all these different phases throughout high school, like I was like a chola, all hood. And then I went through like gothic. And then there's like a middle phase. And then somehow I was like this, like preppy look like, like, it was just so crazy, like all the phases. And I mean, why do you
0: think you went through those phases? What were you, what were you in search of?
1: I, I don't know. I think that's just what it was is that I was just like trying to find and figure out like who I am, like what my identity is, you know? And it's like, where do I really fit in here? You know? And so on top of that, like I did make friends with I was like friends with everybody, like, you know, all sorts of people in the school, but I really think it was that, like, I was just really trying to find, like, who I was, but my sister, like, she played a big part in, like, like a mentor, you know, and so I listened to really dark, depressing music, I went through witchcraft at one time in my life, where I was, like, swore, I even labeled myself a Wiccan, like, I looked into it, I did this whole thing, and I read all the books, I had a spell book, like, it was really dark, 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 um, a dark time in my life, and could you say that these things that you were going
0: through or what you mentioned earlier, we were just trying to find some kind of purpose.
1: I think when it comes to like the depression and we're not, it wasn't really a depression. It was just like the darkness. Um I would maybe like a sense of loneliness. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I just felt so, I guess it was my way of just like taking all the pain and hurt of feeling rejected by my dad because that was something I had to deal with in counseling also was my dad sending me was a form of rejection that I didn't even realize at the moment. Exactly. Yeah. And like, I took it as, okay, this just has to happen. But, um, as an adult going through, walking through childhood trauma, that was one of the steps that I had to like realize is that that was a form of rejection, even though he didn't mean it to hurt me, it still affected me. Um, and on top of the rejection from my mom leaving me when I was a toddler, my brother and I, that was another form of rejection. So there's like a lot of things. So I feel like When I go into that whole season of like being this like little rebel, like, you know, dark gothic girl that was just like, I literally craved and I can't explain it. I craved sadness. Like I would lay in my bed, put on sad music, the most saddest songs I could find. And I loved it. And I just wanted to feel sad and cry. And that like, that's how I wanted to spend my days. And I did for the most part. Um, Or I'd go like, I'd cut myself, you know, Um, but I would do it not for like attention. Like, I did it more to just feel something like just to feel some sort of feel like physical, you know, like pain.
0: This was going on while you were in high school while living yeah. with your
1: mom. Yeah. Yeah. At any
0: point, did you have any kind of resentment towards your mom? Do you feel like at, during that time, did you feel resentful for um, to, towards her or, or maybe, I no. don't know, maybe even hate
1: or anything? I like, think, what did you
0: feel towards your mom?
1: Um, honestly, I don't, I know I just felt anger. Like I felt a lot of anger. Like she would try to parent me. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like yeah. you're not even my mom. Like, like at this know, point, he's like, yeah. And I remember I would say some really horrible things like you're not. And then my stepdad would try to step in too. And I'm like, you're not my dad. Like you're not, you know, like all the typical things, but I felt like I had very valid points to feel that way because I didn't have a mom. And so like, now I have this woman like coming in trying to like give me some guidance and trying to tell me like okay well these are your rules and but there was never an actual like connection with us like we never had a relationship it wasn't like hey let's do mommy daughter time and go like watch a movie together let's go do it was never I never had any of that and so I felt like it was just like these are the rules and so I started like Leaving, like, I would um, run away a lot, um, which wouldn't even matter because she let me leave anywhere, wherever I wanted to, anyways. But I was just like very rebellious, you know. And I think it was just a time in my life where, like, I said, my whole life just shifted. I went from having like my family, you know, like with my stepmom and everybody, they could split up, and then to just like walling out, and my dad sending me to Chicago. And then it's like another whole life that I'm having to like adapt to, you know. And so, yeah, it was it was crazy.
0: <laughs> While you're you're trying to figure out this new life that you are trying to build over there in, in Chicago, do you feel like you had any type of support
1: system? No, I think the no, not like a security. And again, like that's something that I learned going through my counseling Um A couple years ago is like I never had the way I explain it is like a cariño like a loving cariño even from my dad because my dad's very even now when we hug it's like a little you know I have to go in and hug him tight you know like
0: it's like an awkward situation it's like oh
1: just like a little hug on the side okay okay mija you know or like if I'm crying like okay mija you're okay you know it was never like a loving cariño. And so when I was going through all my counseling sessions and like my whole counseling was all around my walk with God. And that was something, a void that God filled was like, cause I would feel his presence like on me, like literally hugging me, caressing me and giving me that, that cariño that I had never felt before, you know? And so that's when I realized that that was a big void in my life from my mom and from my dad. Like there was never like any kind of comfort anything it was just do you think they noticed what you were
0: going through those times when you were all you wanted to do was lay in bed and listen to sad music or even when you were cutting did people notice
1: no I think that if anything my sister did but she was right there along with it like I actually got the cutting from her like I would see her she would tell me like oh this I'd see cuts on her and she'd tell me what she did and so you guys kind um, of became like partners in crime yeah yeah exactly like and I followed suit and like a lot of the stuff and, and I don't know why I was so drawn to that like I don't know what it was but um it was just like a really strong like a big stronghold that I had on my life was just that dark time. And my mom didn't notice, like she was just, you know, doing her own thing. Um, So that, and I mean, it was, it was, I think it really did just come from a sense of loneliness. Like I was there alone, you know, when I wasn't with my sister, it was really just me. And like, I, when I was out with my friends, it's like, we'd go out and just have fun. Like I'd I'd never really had somebody to talk to, like, talk out my feelings or my emotions or like what I'm going through. And so it just came through. Like even now I listen to music as a way, you know, we listen to music like an escape, like we can relate to it. But now it's all Christian music because I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, like this is so different. But when I compare it to high school years, when it was like Marilyn Manson, the most saddest, like, and I even heard one of his songs the other day and it triggered me. And I, cause I remember that was one specific song that I would put on to feel sadness. And I heard it and I was like, man, that's crazy. Like that. I craved that, you know? Um, but yeah, it was. So what had to happen for you to move
0: to Texas and leave Chicago behind?
1: I just really missed my dad. I came down, I hadn't visited Texas since I moved there in, um, in eighth grade, I came down for a family reunion And I saw my dad and he had gray hair and I was so dramatic. He had wrinkles and gray hair. I was like, oh my gosh, he doesn't have that long to live. Like I have to go be by him. And I was like, they're like, okay, calm down. He's just getting old. Like it's not. And I was like, no, like it was um, just a shift in me. I was like, I need to be close to my dad. Like if anything was to ever happen to him, um, I just needed to be close to him. And so it did was, he know what was going on back in Chicago? No, no. no? Like, and, and that's you, did you guys thing. have communication? No, and that's no? another thing. We hardly spoke, and I don't know why. Like, I don't know why we just, like, we'd go probably go within months within, like, with speaking to each other. I remember one time I got a phone call um, that my brother had gotten shot, and I was like, what? Like, and it just, like, broke my heart because I couldn't be there for him. My, bro- my brother's a year younger than me, but I remember my aunt's the one that called me to tell me, um, and I was like, and how's my dad? And then there was a whole situation where my dad, um, some things that happened with my dad, he ended up in the hospital and I was like, what? Like what? And I just remember I felt so hopeless and I was just like, wow. But it was, it was very awkward because no, like my dad and I didn't really have a lot of communication. We talk every couple of months, but it wasn't like a daily thing. You know? Did you have any resentment? I don't know if it was resentment. I think it was more just like, I'm free. Like, okay. I'm free. You are <laughs> like, enjoying just your freedom. Yeah, exactly. Like, I just, don't. I know he would talk to my mom, like, oh, how are her grades doing? Or like you know, those kinds of things or, um, but it was like, I so it wasn't like he just shipped you off and okay, she's your problem. Oh yeah. No, he definitely he was like, still, oh yeah. He stayed getting like, d- reports. Exactly. Yeah. And like, I remember sometimes he'd call me like, make sure you're, you're like, you're in line to be able to graduate. Like do like that speak like the importance of graduating and all of that. I guess to me, when I look back at it, it wasn't like, we didn't keep as high communication, obviously for me going from living with him to like, you know, being now in another, just being with my mom. And so I just, I mean, it was very rare that him and I like talked. So take us to that, that
0: moment where you see him and you're like, you know what? I need to come back.
1: Yeah. I was my heart broke and I was like, dad, like, oh my gosh, you're getting so, cause I've always had love for my dad. Like even going through some of the hardest moments, like, um, him, like whooping us, like we used to get beat. My brother and I, we'd have to kneel down on the floor for like hours. Like it was his, the, pretty much the parenting he got from his dad, he passed on and that's all he really knew. And so like, it was really, really tough, like growing up and and doing all that. So I think that was another reason why I just felt free. Like I was like, oh my gosh, I'm free from all of that. But yeah, I saw him and I was like, oh my gosh, like you're getting so old. And so I just like, Talked to him, talked to my sister, and I was like, I need to come back. So I went back home and I talked to the guy I was dating and I said, Hey, like we're gonna have to break this off because I need to be close to my dad. And so um he understood and then I just moved down here with my sister. Um and yeah, so And what was that like? <laughs> Um, well, I was 20 years old. Um, my sister, there's a 13-year age gap between my two older. I saw I have two older sisters. Um, my mom and dad had them first, and that's where they had like their whole little marriage. Like they had, you know, like they were married with the kids. Then there was a 13-year uh, gap, and then they had me, and then my brother. So my sisters were way older. They had already experienced life. They had kids and all that. Um, so I, I moved in with her and it was just straight like, we're going to go party. I remember the first night she or the first day she picked me up from the airport. We went to happy hour to go meet some friend of hers. Started drinking. And then I was just like, well, we're going to get, get you out of your sadness. Cause I was really sad. I had a breakup with the guy I was dating, you know, I'd been with him for three years and I was like, Oh, you know? And so I was, she was, she like, was trying oh. to cheer you up. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, we're going out. Uh, uh-uh, Forget this. We're going out. So we did. And it was just like, it's really all it was, which is partying. She worked, she had a daughter too, but she was very, I mean, her, even her life was very like dating different guys, just like off and on. And so it was a little um, chaotic also. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was very like unstable. And then I immediately, and so this is my dad still lives in Abilene, right? So I was just kind of out here with her following her lead. Then my other sister ended up moving down here as well. The one that I would um, look up to, she moved down here also. So it was just like us three, like always going out and partying. Then I met a guy that was the owner of a club um, in the club. And so him and I started dating and I moved in right away and was living with him. And so that was like another, I think it was about a year that we dated. And it was just like somewhat toxic relationship because it was like my first like, I don't know how to explain it. It just, that wasn't healthy. It wasn't a healthy relationship. And so, um, like he didn't want me to work. Like he just wanted to like, he was way older than me too. Like 10 years older than me. He's like, no, you're not going to work. Like I'm going to work. I just want to like take you shopping. And most girls think like, oh, that's the life. Right. But I'm like, no, I've worked my whole life. I love working. <laughs> but I was like, so I had worked since I was 16. Um, I was like 20 at the time. I was like, I just love working. And I just like, you know, and it's like, it was just very, very, very controlling also. Um, and then that ended, During this time, did you, did you still feel lonely?
0: Did you still have those feelings that you had back when you were in high school and living in in Chicago? I
1: still had like that dark craving. Yes. And him and I actually would connect on that. We'd list like jam out to music, like all these rock songs and like just connect because he had been through a lot too. And then it was kind of like that whole, like, I don't know, like we just vibed off of that, you know, but like, we never talked about it. Like, oh, this is what I've been through my life. Because even up to that point and like, this is so, it's mind blowing, but it wasn't until I a couple of years ago that I realized everything I went through in high school was not OK. And it was actually a really dark and like traumatic experience for me, you know, um, or even just the whole moving and stuff. I didn't realize realize that until I was actual a full on adult, like going through counseling and stuff that these memories and things started coming up that were like, oh, my gosh, like that's a really dark time that you like is, we have to recover from this. Like we have to like figure out like what caused it. What, like the root of it and all of that and like walk through all of that but yeah what was,
0: would you categorize uh, your relationships with men
1: I would say it started off as very dependent like the two relationships like when I was in Chicago and then this other guy like I was very dependent on them but I also remember I didn't like that feeling of not having control and so moving forward is when I met my daughter's dad and him and I were together for seven years. Was he completely opposite? Oh yeah. To the past relationships? Yeah. He was like very um passive. Like just like very, you know what like, we call chill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just chill. Like we and even now we talk about it like, do you remember? Like we never used to argue or fight. And I'm like, yeah, I do remember that. And it was just like, yeah, it was very passive. Just chill. Like we had fun. We go to rock concerts together. We like just vibed you know we go on trips we just do fun things and so could you say that you found during that time stability yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We had the whole thing. We had like the house. I mean, we weren't buying, but we were like renting a house. We had our cars, we had our jobs. Um, we were like going through all these things, like just life, just living life, you know? And like, if we wanted to take a trip, we'd plan it and go. And we ended up taking a little break. Uh, we ended up splitting up, you know, when you're with somebody for so long, it's like, okay, I'm tired of you. You're boring. And then we didn't know how to work that out. So we ended up taking like a, I think it was like a six-month break. We went through a breakup for six months. And we're like, okay, who are we kidding? Like, we're meant to be together. So we got back together. And And during
0: this time that you are with him, what is your relationship like with your mom, with your dad, or with the rest of your family?
1: Actually, when I moved back here, I didn't really keep a relationship with my mom. Okay, so you cut cut ties pretty much. Yeah, even now, like, we speak every, like... It, it sounds bad but we don't even talk like on mother's day really like maybe a text message like hey happy mother's day but we still don't really have like a great relationship but with my dad I actually drew a lot closer like my ex uh, my daughter's dad was actually really close with my family like we were always hanging out with my family having cookouts or we'd invite them over like our house we hosted christmas and thanksgiving like um, it was really, my dad would come to town, you know, my dad even stayed with us for a while because he wanted to work here in San Antonio and we had an extra room. So he lived with us for a little bit, but yeah, I was like, it felt really good. It felt like, like, like you were saying the sense of security because we had, we, I felt secure. Like we have our home, we have all these things, you know, but going to like the shift of what you were saying earlier, it was more of like a controlling factor for me, I think is where I felt so comfortable Because when I look back at it, like I ran the household, like I did. And so he was going to school, he was working part-time, I was the one bringing in the money, I was the one that was like taking care of, like making the decisions, doing all the things. And he was just passive, like, yeah, sure, yeah, that's what you want. And I feel like that's why we lasted so long, because we joke about it, we're like, we probably just lasted so long because you just let me do whatever I wanted to. And he's like, yeah, probably. And so, and then that's even was even like a trend, because I realized after that, you know, becoming a Christian, you start looking back at your life and like just things that are like familiar and things like patterns. And after that, every relationship after that, I had to be in control. Like I had to be, I I was drawn to like what I would like broken people, people that needed me or so that I had like a sense of feeling like I was needed. Um, which is also, it's a toxic. I mean, that's a very toxic trait, but like the guys that I dated after I was in two other relationships after that. And it was like I needed to feel like I was needed because I had all of this sense of re- fear of rejection from all of my childhood things that I wasn't afraid that they were going to leave me because they needed me, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. You know. At this point, was any of your cutting or anything like that going on still or no? No,
1: no. Like all of that was just like, that was really like all throughout high school. And I think what it was is what stopped that moment for me and kind of opened my eyes. My sister actually had gotten in an argument. She was, um, she had a girlfriend at the time that were off and on. We were all hanging out and we're about to leave somewhere. They got in an argument and my sister like broke a mirror, got the mirror and cut her hand wide open and was in the hospital had to get all these stitches I was afraid that we were gonna lose her because it was so bad and I think that's the moment that clicked for me that I was like oh my gosh like even the little things is like that's never again yeah it was like an instant like wake-up call
0: so take us to the moment where the rug is kind of like pulled from underneath you and things start to change um what part <laughs>
1: <laughs> what time of my life because there was so many times like that are you talking about from like the depression and all of from, that from from just... the moment
0: uh, that you you and your uh, daughter's father broke up I uh, mean w- why 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 did it end if if you say that it was such a healthy relationship
1: we so I got saved and I um my niece and her husband Um, who we were really close to, like they lived right up the street. We all hung out. We'd always cook out and hang out together. Um, they started going to church. My niece, um, invited me to her baptism. Um, so I went to her baptism. I heard her testimony and that was a moment that God got a hold of my heart. And I was like, and I wasn't even missing anything in life. Like there was nothing in that moment in my life that I felt like sad about or that I was missing you were at a really in weird. your
0: mind you were at a good oh, yeah. point in your life Yeah, I
1: was living my life like I just had my baby girl like you know I mean my ex and I were having like you know um, relationship issues like oh we're both kind of bored what do we do like let's keep working because that's not a reason to break up you know let's just keep working at this um, but yeah we were great like things were great and I just remember when I went to go hear her testimony um, and see her baptism. Like God just got a hold of my heart and I knew that that was something I was missing in my life. And so what was um, it that she
0: said or what was it, was it about that moment?
1: It was seeing her because I knew, I saw her struggle with her and her husband. Um, you know, they had like a lot of infidelity in their marriage. They had well, it was a relationship at that time. They hadn't gotten married yet. Um, a lot of like just a lot of struggles, even for her personally, because she also had not had, you know, like a role model to guide her and show her like along the way like what life should really how you know how what to, a healthy like, relationship should yeah, look like. Yeah, exactly. And so I saw her go through a law. And so when they both found God, it was like boom, like they got married and it just changed their life around. And so but for us, my but that was in um I what do you call it? Uh Pentecostal. Okay. It was a Pentecostal church. So it was very extreme. And so we, my ex and I saw the shift in them. Like they would not drink anymore. They wouldn't cuss. Like it was like a whole, there shift. was a transformation. Yeah. And I was just like, and so when I went, I heard this and like, I said, God got a hold of my heart and I knew like, I wanted to give my life to him. And I, I just, I just knew that was a void I was missing. Um, and I would talk to my ex about it. He was so afraid, like we're not turning into them. Like we like, and so, it Did he have uh, any
0: any sort of like religion or church affiliation yeah. or anything well, at that up,
1: point? He grew up Catholic. He. Um, and he had went one time, um, because I started going to church from that point on, I started going to conferences. I was, I was like wanting as much as you were digging and digging as much as you
0: can into this new, new found freedom.
1: Yeah. I was like on fire for God. I just fell in love, like all the goosebumps you get in worship and all like the emotions and like all of those things. Um, and so I remember he went with me one time, but like coming from a Catholic background to that, he was like, this just isn't for me. Like, it's not my thing. And I'm just like, okay, and so we just started living two different lives and it was like very adamant and it was like we on top of like our issues we were already having like I'd come home and he's like playing video games and drinking a beer you know and there's nothing wrong with that but at that time in my life I was like in my room reading a bible listening to worship music because I was so on fire for God you know and trying to like like you said dig more and like I wanted more and I wanted more and so um, it was just like, we were on two different levels completely. And so like, even our Sunday mornings, I was always at church and he's like, no, I'm going to stay home. Like, you know, it wasn't for him. Um, and I remember we were still trying to make it work, obviously. Cause my baby girl was only um, like a year and a half at that time. So we're like, let's just keep trying to fight, trying to make this work. And it just wasn't happening. Like our, like priorities had, were completely shifted. Um, and I remember there was, we had gotten an argument one night and it was on a Saturday night. And he, I was like sitting in the car, trying not to like be mad and yell at him how I normally would. And I just put on worship music and he like turned it off. And he's like, I don't even know who you are anymore. Like you're not the girl that I fell in love with. You're not this and that. And I'm like, yeah, because we're now like, this is six years later. Like, of course we're not the same people. We grow, we mature, you know, it's, we're not gonna be the same, like we're parents now, you know, like we don't, it's not the same. And, um, but that was just like a, like kind of opened my eyes and the next morning I had church and I went to church. Um, My brother was like, hey, let's go to Poteet festival. So I went home, I said, hey, we're going to the festival. You're more than welcome to come. He got in the car and I was just driving. And I remember um, this so, and I have a bad memory, but this is something I remember so clear. Clearly, I was driving and I was like just listening to the radio, and he was just telling me, Just so you know, I will never be a man of God. I will never sit next to you in church. That's not for me. Like, that's not ever going to be me. And I was just, I couldn't even say anything back. I was just crying because that was a moment I knew, like, this is not going to be, like, this is not going to work. And so we were engaged at that time. So I, like, gave it a few days. I prayed over it, and I was like, This is just not. Like, this is not going to work.
0: And it was out of your control at that point.
1: Yeah. There was nothing that you could do. Yeah. And, and I, you know, like, and that was obviously a hard decision, but I mean, we had also been going through a lot of like, like I was saying before, even before that, like we were just kind of bored with each other already. Like there was just no excitement because we were parents, you know, all of our focus went to our daughter. Um, And so it was just like completely different, but that was like, that was just it for me. And so looking back, this was all 10 years ago looking back at it now, um, and and we've had talks before too, especially like, because his mom lives with me and like, she's her and I stayed really close. Obviously. Um, she's my daughter's Nana. So she like takes care of her and like her and I will talk too. And it's like, man, like had I known at like 26 years old, like what I know now in life, like we probably would have just like fought through, went to some counseling, did some things, you know, to like try a little bit more, Um, but at that time you're just so like okay well cool like that's it's not going to work then you know like that's just what it is but also I learned later like men mature a lot later than women I was in my maturing stage and he still wanted to like play video games still growing up yeah and so um there was there's been moments where we look back and we're like okay well it probably could have worked had we put in some more effort but at that time I was like no like it's not
0: so you decide to move on yeah what happens next
1: I moved out of the house. He stayed there and I started dating this other guy, again, broken man who was like just completely not. I mean, when I say broken, like who needed you could tell he needed some support, like financially, just like like spiritually, all of the things. Um, And that was my first, I want to say, like deceptive relationship where I was like completely like just blinded, like by, I mean, I felt he like, you know, talked about God all the time and talked about like his relationship with God and all these things. And I was so new to like, to my relationship with God that I was like, and plus that's the reason why my daughter's dad and I didn't work out. So it was like, okay, cool. Like, man, this is exactly what I want. This is like the man of God. You thought you you were on the, on the right path. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And at that time I didn't know, I wasn't as far along in my walk with God to know that you have to pray over this, get some discernment, get some wisdom, figure out if this man's for you or not. I didn't know any of that because I was so new. I was like a baby Christian. And so I just fell for it. I was like, yeah. And like, I was in that relationship, I think for two years where like my daughter and I lived with him at his mom's house because like he, his whole thing was, I just need to take care of my mom. I need to like, you know, we need to fix up this house and we need to like do all these things. And like, um, like we went to church together and like all of these, like, it was just very like, I don't, I don't know how to explain it. it. And when I think about it, I'm just like, Oh, can I just erase that from my mind? <laughs> like, can I just take that whole relationship? Like it just never happened. I really don't even talk about it often. I'm like, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> like, that never happened. Um, but it was, it was
0: weird. And I feel like, what I, made you, what made you get out of it?
1: um, because our goals weren't aligned. Like I was like, look, it's been two years. And my dad even told me like me how this, this is not, this is not the woman that you are. You're not a woman that's going to be, that's meant to live in some man's house with his mom, like trying like for two years, like trying to go, like support him and his family you know what I mean? Like you're, you already had your own own house. You already had all of this. Like that's who, what you're supposed to be. But I'd be like, whatever, dad, like nobody's gonna be good enough for you. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until I realized like this relationship's not going anywhere. It was literally just going in circles. Um, and during this point and even before that you're, are you working? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was the one supporting what Um, kind of,
0: I mean, what were you doing?
1: Um, I was a manager at a boutique. I've always worked in retail, so I was a a manager at a boutique. Um, and so, yeah, I was a store manager just working and that was really it. Like, that was all I did was just work and then. And were
0: you there because, just because it was a job and you needed the money? Or, I mean you liked yeah no I what loved, you were doing yeah I
1: loved what I did like okay. it was a small boutique at River Center Mall I loved it because that that job was actually until like styling people dressing them okay and I thrived off of that even myself my own office like I remember he would even tell me like why are you wearing that like you're just so extra and I'm like what do you mean <laughs> what, I'm not gonna be in chanclas and sweats what do you mean like you know he's like even to go to the gas station I'm like I'm not wearing that that's not you know but we lived on Marbach you know Marbach over here it's it's you don't see that like people dressed up to go to the <laughs> yeah And I'm like, he just, it was crazy, but I, I loved fashion and I like thrived in it. And it was like, but yeah, that's at this point. Did
0: you ever, ever imagine, uh, in, in any of these days that you would go into work and, and get your job done and stuff? Did you ever think, Oh, clothing, you know, maybe that's for me. Maybe I should be looking into clothing.
1: No, never. I never even my, my, uh, daughter's Nana would tell me when I was with, with my daughter's dad, like young, before I even had Libby. Um, she would tell me, Miha, you because I was a store manager back then too, and I worked in clothing. She was like, "You need to open up your own store. Like, you need to be a business owner." I'm like, "Okay, you're crazy, lady. Like, that's not gonna happen. I have to work. Like, I have to work to support and like make a living. And there's no way that would ever happen. Like, I didn't even graduate high school. How am I gonna own a business? Like, that doesn't no. And it wasn't. In, I mean. Obviously, I, you know. So the idea the
0: was presented to you, but you just shunned yeah, it off. That yeah, because I
1: saw it as too far fetched. Yeah. Like, what? Like, there's no way. First, I'd ever have the time or even have anything to do any kind of anything business related. You like, it felt for me. unequipped because you just yeah. mentioned
0: that you didn't, yeah. because, you know, because you didn't have the education.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, unequipped, even just the guidance and, and, and all of that. Like, I was like, no way. There's no way.
0: So take us to how do you even start? Growing the <laughs> idea of, of having your own apparel line.
1: Um, I actually painted a jacket for my daughter for her dedication, um, her child dedication at church. Her blue jean jacket from Target, and I got a sharpie and I painted "Daughter of a King" on there with a tiara, and because um, I wanted her to wear it for that day, take cute pictures. And when I we went and to what church, did that
0: message mean?
1: Um, daughter of a king that she I was dedicating her and giving her to the Lord that she was a daughter of the King, despite everything, any circumstance she faces in life, she's God's daughter and she's a princess and she's, it was just me like submitting her to the Lord. And so I, um, did that for the child dedication and it was so insane. Like the reaction from all of like my church family was like, girl, you made that. And I'm like, yeah, like, oh my gosh, can you make me something like that? And I was like, yeah, I guess why not? But the crazy thing is, is like, I hadn't done anything artistic or art related since high school where all of my artwork, like I had my own art show in high school when I was uh, 17. My own like whole setup and everything, they put together awards. I still have all the awards, everything that I got for it. It was very dark art. And I just recently pulled that out of my closet the other day. I forgot I had it. And I was getting ready for this launch, the Jesus over everything launch. And I opened up the clip I was like, what else can I paint Jesus over everything? Cause I was painting on my lamp. I painted on like walls. Like I did it on all sorts of things. I went in my, in my closet on my patio and I found my art and I was like, oh my gosh. And it was so insane because it was like that moment. It was like, you literally just shifted your artwork, like from all this dark negative. Like I remember there was one of the ones that I did. It was. A shadow box that I had and it was a torso that I created out of clay and I cut the torso in half and opened it up painted red in it stitched put wire like a stitching I, I, if I find this I'm going to send you a picture because it's really crazy put wire like a stitching and I put a broken me mi- I broke glass and I put the mirror under it so when you look into this torso you see a broken reflection of yourself and it had the torso had um, pictures I printed of like, you know, when you go get like a boob job or you get any kind, anything that you alter your body, they do the sketches, you know, um, it was all of those pictures i cut out. And it was, the whole concept was like, when we alter our bodies, like we no longer see our true selves. It's like a broken reflection of who we really are because we've altered ourselves so much. And so that whole, um, it was actually like in a casket, um, a black casket that I had put with chains and stuff. And so, my artwork was really dark and I hadn't painted or anything since that art show. And so that's when I was 17 until recently, which was just a few years ago. And I was like, maybe like 35 that I picked up a Sharpie and painted that jacket for my daughter. And it's, been so crazy because like the response I got from it like going back to that was just like phenomenal like everybody's like paint me something or like what else can you do and it just lit this fire in me to just start painting again and creating and then on top of that I had all the fashion and apparel background that I just loved and so I was like okay well what else can I do so I started putting studs on jackets and doing you know it's just spray painting like putting paint splatter everywhere and I do like a crown of thorns you know on on a leather jacket um, when I made my first uh, piece that was for myself it was called Your Kingdom Come is what I put on the back of it because that was going to be the name of my little project at the time I called it a project it was like this is my project it's not a business it's just a project I was very adamant to say that too because I think I was afraid it was going to fail so I was like it's not a business it's just a project like it's just something I do on the side and it was called Your Kingdom Come and um, everybody loved it and it was like just like hand painted crown of thorns and so I started getting in like oh well paint me this or can you do that and then a friend of mine is actually a guy that I dated in high school, sent me a pair of shoes and he's like, he knew all of my artwork. Like he, cause he, I mean, I dated him in high school, so he saw everything I did and he's like, I want you to paint, um, on these shoes. It was a pair of Converse. Um, that was the first like very challenging thing. That was an actual, like, like something big that I, that I accomplished. Um, he said, I want you to paint a lion's head on there and then put shut the mouth of lions, which is a scripture in the Bible on the other shoe. And I was like, okay, <laughs> I felt so challenged. I was like, how am I going to paint a whole freaking lion's head on here? Like, I'm just used to painting words on things. And I was like, okay, so I, it took me a while to actually pick up that project. Like those shoes sat there in my apartment for a good while. And so I was like, I'm going to do this. And so I did it. I spent, I, I knocked it out like in two days. And the, you'll see it on my business page. It's uh, these really cool converse and it has a mouth with it, a lion with his mouth open, like roaring. And then it says, shut the mouth of lions. Um, I sent them to him. He actually made a whole testimony video of like what it meant to him. Cause he's a marketing manager or he does marketing. And so he, um, shared his testimony. And that's when that happened, I was like, Oh my gosh, like this is what I want to do. I want to be able to share people's testimonies. Like originally I just wanted to do pieces so that, people can wear them like the original vision of the brand was to, um, paint the street with the gospel, like whatever it was on their backs. Like if it says like born again, or had a cross or even a crown, anything to just put the gospel in the streets. Um, but it took a turn whenever he sent me that video. And I was like, this is amazing. Like I want more people to be able to share their testimony because that's what makes more of an impact in people's lives is when they see transformation. And so that's how that started. So at what point does your project turn (laughs) into, oh, this could
0: be a business?
1: Um, It was during COVID. I was working at Lucky Brand at the time. Um, My best friend was a store manager and I was her assistant. And she calls me and she's like, I have some bad news. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, she's like, are you sitting down? I'm like, no, I'm putting gas. What's the bad news? And she's crying. Like she's full on bawling. And I'm like, what's wrong? And she's like, your position is getting Knocked down to a part-time position because of COVID and all of that, and so we just like it's pretty much going to be part-time now. And on top of that, I think it was like a five-dollar pay cut, and I was like, "What?" And she's like, "Yes." So she knew I had a daughter. I mean, obviously, she was my best friend, so she's crying, freaking out, like, "How am I going to make it happen?" And um, she's like, and I said, "Okay." And she's like, "You're not? Are you okay?" And I said, "Yeah, I'm fine." And she's like, "Why are you not freaking out?" I was like because I know God's going to provide. Cause he always does. Like I've seen his goodness, like he's going to provide, I'm not concerned. And she's like, okay. So then she's like, well, I have one other thing they um, want you to reconsider. They had offered me a store manager position in Austin to move to Austin, but I had turned it down just recently because my, my family, we lost my nephew and I couldn't leave my brother because my brother was here. So I was like, there's no way I can leave him. It's too soon. I need to be here for support or anything he needs. So they, she was telling me, they want you to reconsider that, um, the Austin promotion. And I said, okay. And of course that's a promotion. So I'd be like a higher pay, all of the benefits, but I'd be relocating. So I told her, well, just let me pray over it. I prayed over it and I sat down. I mean, not just praying over it. I also sat down and wrote down logistics, right? Like a pros and cons of, of like staying or going, And that's whenever it was like, God was like, no, this is, you're going to open, you're going to make this a business. Like you're going to start this. We're going to, it's going to be a business and you're not going to lack anything. And so I was just like, okay, God. And so that's when I started actually like putting time and effort into it. Like, um, and her and her husband were there because her husband owns a business. And so they helped me with, uh, like if you hear my testimony on my, um, on the website, um, you'll hear me talk about how God just sent people in my life and, and he's always done that. But in the very beginning, he sent people in my life to show me how to register a business. Cause like I said, I didn't graduate high school. I didn't knew anything about business. I worked for smaller businesses before where I knew the ins and outs of like, um, profit and loss statement of like, I've seen all of that Excel sheets. Like I've learned, I've, I've seen all of that and I've had my hands in it a little bit to know how that operates, but I've never like full on done it for myself. And so there, he was, it, it's not just them. Like there was multiple people he would just send in my life, like close friends that were photographers are like, let's do a photo shoot for your brand. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, let's take some videos of your brand. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like one of my good friends. It was like she's the one that did the interview um where I was talking about my brand. She's like, I believe in you so much and I believe in this. Like, I'm gonna sit down and do an interview of your brand and I want you to like put it out there and share it. And I'm gonna do it for free because I believe in this. So many people were like, I believe in you, like I believe in this. And it was like so crazy to see how God just like sent all the support, all of like, but he just even gave me peace. Like I, I was like, I told her, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna take the demotion. And I'm going to use this time to focus on my on my business. And so that's when it actually started to turn into like a full on business. At any
0: point, did you feel because I think we all feel, especially in certain uh, difficult situations, we feel vulnerable when it comes to opening up and talking about our own experiences and what we've been through and our mistakes or our past choices or whatnot. How did you decide to use your experiences to name your brand, to decide what your mission was to overall decide what the concept of your company was going to be like.
1: It was because I knew there were people that were in my life at that time that I remember a coworker one time we're having a conversation and this is at Lucky Brand. And she said, man, you know what I did last night? I just put on some sad music and I laid in bed and I cried. And I was like, what? And like, to me, I didn't think anything the, at that moment until I was like, oh crap, I used to do that. And that's when I was reminded. And I was just like, man, and I was like, and you could tell she was very like hard, like she had a shell. And I was like, um, that's so sad. And she's like, I know, but I just love to do that. And I was like, really? And it just like reminded me of like my, ch- and it wasn't until I heard that, that I realized all that stuff I went through was not okay. So I just hugged her. And I was like, I'm gonna pray over you. I invited her to church. I was like, I like, I know to you, this is normal. Like you think that, you know, and and that's okay. But like, I know there's more for you and this is not it. So it was like just situation. That wasn't the first one. There was multiple situations. Um, And even just being in ministry in the church, hearing stories and just the things that I've been through, I was like, there's a very dark world out there that people are living in that need God's light to be shed on them or they need light in that darkness. And the whole concept came, I was driving, um, my daughter's school was down by downtown. I was driving, I'd see homeless people all the time begging for like money and stuff on the streets, but just a block away are these beautiful murals And I remember, I thought, I wish I could come and just paint scriptures all over these walls where these homeless people stay under the bridge so that they have some hope and encouragement, like just something because God's word is more powerful than us giving them money. God's word is more powerful than us feeding them. You know, like it's like to feel like that's a a shift in their heart that could happen for them to want more, to do more, you know? And so I remember I was like, that was the vision that God gave me was to actually physically paint the streets, like the bridges and everything with the gospel, um, and I reached out to a mural artist that has this stuff downtown, and I was like, "How do I do this? I don't know you." I said, "I don't know you at all. I just found you on social media right now." But this is a vision I have, and how do I make it happen? And he's like, "Whoa, like that's a big vision." I, was like, I know. He's like, <laughs> "That's gonna be kind of hard <laughs> when it comes, especially when it comes to like religion and things like that." And I was like. I don't, what do I do? And he's like, well, I would say probably start off like the Salvation Army, like where the women shelter, you know, things like that. And I was like, yeah, you're right. So like, I actually had an event or a project started with the Salvation Army. I was going to go in there and paint. The walls are all gray in there. I don't know if you've ever been in there. It's like, it looks like a prison. Like it's just cots with no mattresses and lockers and the walls are all gray. And that's where these women stay and um, families too, like kids stay in there. And I went in there, I was like, I just want to paint and bring some light in here and put some crosses and just scriptures and things to like encourage these people. So that was in the works, but then COVID hit. Ideally, going back to your question, like it all started with like, I know the darkness that I've been through in my life, all the dark moments where I felt alone and broken. We didn't even get to like the relationship that I was in when I was like, doing drugs and partying all the time. And like, that was like a four year relationship that I was in. And that was a very dark moment for me where I multiple times, like I could have lost my life either overdosing or in a car accident that I was in and God protected me. And I knew he he was protecting me for a bigger vision and something like a bigger purpose that he had for me. And it was my life transformation from that point on was like, just gave me hope for other people. There's people out there that don't know about the gospel and they don't know that there's so much more to this life than just cutting yourself or being depressed or being sad and it like breaks my heart because it's like what can I do with all the things that I have a passion for to bring that to them and so that's the vision that's like the mission and everything and then I was praying and I was like okay God what's it going to be called because I wanted your kingdom come because ideally it's to bring heaven to earth is what the mission is I was praying over it and it was like breaking darkness. There's in Isaiah nine, two, there's a scripture and it says the people walking on darkness have seen a great light. That scripture, when I read it was like, I remember when I was lost in darkness and God got a hold of my heart and showed me a light that I followed. And so that's where it all like came from. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> I'm over here like, I'm like, Try
1: not to cry. <laughs> no, that's amazing because...
0: God helped you overcome all those things so that one day, unbeknownst to you, you would become, you would turn around and become a light for yeah. other people, other people that you don't even know, because here you are talking about trying to, you know, be there for homeless people or women who are, are in the shelters or mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. And that's, that's amazing. That's beautiful. Seriously. Thank you.
1: Thank you. I, um, I was talking to my friend the other day, I went to drop off a shirt to her. Um, and she knows she actually was at a women's conference when she saw my brand I had heard of her before. She used to be a big club promoter um, here in San Antonio and I saw her and this is when I first met her and she's like, just so you know, your brand stands out a lot because it's very dark. That's my logo, everything. It's all dark. And we were at a chosen women's conference, which is a church over here. They do this big, they had this market with all these different vendors in there. Right. And when I'm setting up my booth at this event, it's like everybody has bright flowers pastels and that's their brand that's what their brand is you know and it's like blessed something or like all these different things you know and I'm like man this is really cute like it was nice but and here I am (laughs) literally in the corner with like breaking darkness of hair, and it's all black a black banner (laughs) I have dead flowers in a vase (laughs) I have like all this darks a black velvet a black carpet and it's like And I actually, do you get some weird looks? No, but I had a kind of, (laughs) yeah, I'm not going to like kind of people walking in like, okay. And I had a moment of insecurity while I was setting that booth up and I was like, oh my gosh. And not to mention, I had already put my, my brand on hold to plant this church. Uh, we were planning a a new church and I had put it on hold. So I had, this was my first big thing. It was my first pop-up that I was doing like in, in a place like this. And so I was like, setting it up, felt insecure. Yeah. People were walking by like, Oh, okay. Like, let me, they they even brought me a lamp. Like it's kind of dark over. Let me bring you a lamp. So they brought out a lamp for me and set it up in my booth. (laughs) It was crazy. (laughs) I was like, okay. And it made me rethink, but, and it wasn't until the last night of this conference, not to mention, this is when I launched my first t-shirt collection. So I did two t-shirt designs. Um, I had them printed and they told me like, I hope you brought more product because you're going to sell out. And I was like, what, for real? And they're like, yes. And so I was like, okay. So I went home that night and I started painting jackets because I had a ton of jackets that I had thrifted already. I started painting jackets, painting jackets to bring the next day. Then I did that the second day, everything was selling out. And I was like, oh my gosh, look at God. Like how great, you know, is this like, and I sold out of all my shirts. I sold out of all my jackets. I think in those two days I made over $2,000 in two days. And it was like, God's just giving me a taste of like, this is what it is. Like this is going back to the story i'm sorry i always jump everywhere but um (laughs) (laughs) no worries my friend was telling me she said um she was one of the last ones at the booth the last night and she says she was recording my my booth and she's like what you have here is going to draw and appeal to people that other brands won't and other things won't and she's like this is something different and it's set apart from you haven't read the card that i gave you guys yet but you'll have to read it um but she's like, this is something you that your brand is set apart from all these other brands because these other brands are going to target, you know, um, certain people, but your brand is going to target the other people that are, that the other brands don't. And she's like, I know because I'm drawn to this. And she's like, this pops to me. And I love this because she's like, even just you sharing, cause I was sharing my story there of my brand. And she's like you and your tattoos and just your whole look and everything that you have, like, that draws me to you because it's relatable. And she's like, and so that's what your brand is. Like, that's what your brand's going to do. She has to like prophesying over my brand. She's like, this is what it's going to do. It's going to draw people that other, other things would like, or I don't know how to explain it. Like, you know, that pe- other
0: people might shun away because yes. they're out of the norm.
1: Yes, exactly. And she's like, you know, and so just, so this was last year when I did that. Well, just recently, the other day, I went to drop off a shirt for her that she ordered and I was talking to her. She was telling me how she was connecting with a girl in her church and telling her about my brand because the girl dyed her hair black, started wearing all black because she's she was going through um, a really hard time in her life, and she said you need to follow my friend's brand. So she like told her about it, and she's like Rachel, like you are letting people know that it's okay. You don't have to change your look. You don't have to change. You don't have to just because you become a Christian or because you love God. You don't have to change all of these things in your life. You can still love God and get tattoos. You can still love God and have piercings and you can still live, you know, showing a light to other people that need to see it because you're related, like they can relate to you, you know? And so it was just like, thank you so much for that because I needed that. I've been going through a hard time, like trying to figure out all these things with my brand. Um, but also just like my life in general. And like, I just really needed like to hear that. And so, Here it is like three years later from the first time I painted my daughter's jacket to now that it's like, I never thought it was going to be a whole full on having people share their testimonies or even just like being able to minister to people, you know, like people have reached out to me, strangers, I don't know on social media, like, can you please pray for this, this and that or girls that are like, I'm just drawn to you. Can we sit down and go have coffee? Like, I don't know why. Like, I just want to like have coffee with you, you know, and like talk. And I'm like, I don't know why either, but yes, let's do it, you know? And so I, I don't know. It's just I,
0: I think you've already mentioned several, but is there any situation, any moment, any instant that you can remember that's kind of engraved in your mind that you feel like that was maybe God's affirmation that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing? And like I said, you've already mentioned several, but is there any that that are stuck in your mind that you say, yeah, that was the moment where I felt like, This is exactly what I need to be doing.
1: I don't know. I'm like, there's so many, like, it's just like going through my mind. I don't
0: think. And maybe it's those people that have reached out to you.
1: Yeah. And that's that you're like, you don't
0: even know me, but.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what's going through my mind. Like all the different women that have reached out to me just asking for prayer. I remember I sat down and I had to realign my priorities and because I had taken a set down in my church from like planting a church, doing everything like administrative help, like helping them with administrative, doing social media, doing all these things. And it was overwhelming. And I I felt overwhelmed because I knew that I still had my business that I needed to pick back up. And so I took um, picked up my business again. That's when I did the T-shirt collection and launched that. And it just blew up and it hasn't stopped from then. Like, literally, people were like constantly messaging me, like, they want jackets, they want, you know, and I'm like, can I just get some more time? I don't have time. (laughs) So I talked to my pastor and I was like, hey, like, I'm gonna take a step back from doing so much in the church because I really need to focus on this. Um, And we were like, okay, like, I had to sit down myself and realign my priorities. And that's when I realized, like, the things that I'm doing with my brand, it's not just, just to have a business. It's not just to like sell some shirts or sell some jackets. Like it's a true ministry because I look back at like these women that are reaching out that I've actually been able to like build a relationship with, you know, or even invited to church. Like there's women that have bought stuff from me that have come to the church because they're like, oh, I just need something, you know, or like just so many different, different things. But I don't know. I can't think of an exact moment, but there is, it does take me to, there's a collection. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like you said, and and it's when it's the strangers, you know, because like I can have all day long, my family, you know, or even like, you know, my close friends that are constantly like, yeah, let me get a shirt or let me get this, or let me get whatever's the newest thing. But when it's somebody completely different, that's like, Hey, I heard about your brand and I relate to it so much because it's set apart from like everything else. That's when it's like, okay, like I know that I'm supposed to be doing this, you know, or even just writing out like thank you cards. I send a thank you card in a prayer with every order that I do. When I write these cards, I'll just use actually your, your guys this morning because I was crying as I was writing. I was writing you guys a thank you card. Um, and as I was writing it, I was praying and I was writing it out to you and the words set apart came to my mind. And I was like, and I think it's because of the things that Javi was sharing with me the last time when I went to go get coffee, Like those moments, they're like God moments, because God used to do that a lot with me. He would speak for other people through me. In my time with him, he would give me words for people and I was like, okay, I'd just pick up my phone and text and I'd be like, girl, you don't know how bad I needed to hear that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like God's really using me. And so when I see God using me through my brand and I have those moments where I could feel it this morning, I was looking up a scripture for you guys and I was reading it and I couldn't stop reading. Like I wanted to keep reading and digging in. Like, what else do you have for them? What else is it? But it was, um, two scriptures I put in, in that card and it's that, that it's, you guys are set apart. Like you guys are set apart from everything else, any of these other businesses around you guys or any, anything else like the rejection, um, and the words and the noise that you guys are hearing. Like that's how you know that you're set apart because that's what happened to Jesus is he had all of these people despising him and rejecting him. And he was the one that was set apart. And so it's in those moments again, like when I go back to that and I'm just like, just going to write a thank you letter or a prayer. And God's like, no, they need to hear this. Like, this is for them. And I'm just like, okay, God, like, it's like, oh my gosh. Like, that's how I know, like, I'm supposed to be doing this. Even if it's just a thank you card, you know, like that's, this is what it is. It's it's ministering to people. You're supposed to be used as a vessel. Yes, girl. Yes. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Who is Rachel Calamaco today? What have
1: you (laughs) overcome
0: and what have you become?
1: Well, I've overcome a lot, as you've heard, but I think one of the biggest things now this year is I keep hearing the word courage on all the different aspects. Um, One of my friends even was sharing with me earlier this year, she had a dream about me. (laughs) She's like, I just keep seeing um, the number eight. And she's like, and she took it back to scripture because she always does that, which is amazing. And she's like, "It's it's a number of evolution and just change and she also saw eclairs and cuz she's she bakes and she's like you ordered eight eclairs and she's like so she looked that up and it was a lightning bolt and i was like oh my gosh because i had just added the lightning bolt to my um to my my logo last year and she's like you know the lightning bolt resembles god's glory and god's righteousness and all of the good and you know my my purpose of the lightning bolt is a little bit different uh, cuz it comes from a story in the bible but it's just that like I feel like who I am now is like I don't have fear of failing anymore because I've already failed through multiple things where it's like okay I girl there's times that I felt like I had no money in the bank and I'm going in the negative to go buy supplies and I'm like I don't know how I'm gonna like make some money this week to be able to like you know go get food for me and my daughter but like it's it and and it's crazy because it's all like obviously like strategic planning right if I would have planned it out right then it would have worked but it's like I don't normally run off of that. I run off of like, all right, God's like, go get these supplies so you can knock out these orders because these people need this. And it's like, he just finds a way and he just provides. And it's, I don't know how I went on that rant, but anyways, (laughs) that's just a separate rant, but I'm just, I don't have any fear anymore. Like my, I don't have fear and I feel like that's a good thing and it's a bad thing, but I also know that I have a lot of faith and I know that like whatever things I take on this year which is what I'm looking to do is take on bigger better projects just things to get like the brand out there more which I was afraid to do last year um and that was like I was telling you with my friend Ellie that like she was like yeah I can promote your brand and do all these things because I was styling her and I was like no because I'm not ready and like I was like I know with just like her following I could get a ton of like people orders. And I was like, I'm not ready for that. It's not the time. So I had that fear where now I'm like, girl, let's do it. I actually reached out to her. I was like, all right, now's the time. Like, let's promote do the heck. out yes. of me, I'm like, I'm like <laughs> I just want it everywhere now. Um, but yeah, like it's, it's overcoming all of those failures that I've had to like, now I'm just like, you know, because I know that God's guiding me and I know whatever it is I'm lacking, like he's going to con- like be, he's, he's so good that he's going to continue to provide for me.
0: What could you say to somebody who is currently going through uh, something similar to you or who knows of somebody who's going through a situation similar as yours and who are in that place of darkness and don't see any kind of or any sort of light? What
1: can you say to those those people? I would say in the darkness to keep searching and to find his light because it's in those moments that we don't feel him And we don't feel his presence that he's actually there the most. But I would say like there to keep searching in any aspect, even if it's a little hope, like the smallest hope, because it just takes the smallest little moment with him for him to get a hold of your heart, like any any moment, even if it's just you praying and you feeling like he doesn't hear me. Like, I'm just like, I feel stupid praying right now. Like, what am I even doing? Still do it because it's in those little moments of having the smallest faith that God can capture your heart. And it's a whole life transformation from that point on. And it obviously evolves into much more and like the full on relationship with him. And I think it's very important to mention also, and and we'll,
0: make sure to put it in the caption, but there is help out there. There's, yeah. um, organizations, there's hotlines, there's help out there. So please, if you're going through any type of situation, any depression, anxiety, yeah. stuff like that, um, don't feel alone because there's so many people, uh, caring people who are willing to help you. All you have to do is, I mean, nowadays just pick up your phone and, and call yeah. and, and you'll find the help that you need. So, I think it's a perfect segue. And, and you said, you know, talking about your goals for for your brand and your company. Yeah. How can listeners support your company? And what do you have in store for, for the, the rest of the year?
1: Um, I would say I would definitely follow and share like my social media pages. I do have the website. Um, the website has like my t-shirt collections on there. You can actually go on there like reaching out in order to collaborate, because that's what I do when I share testimonies. I coll- I sit down with you, I collaborate what your story is, um, if there's a certain scripture or vision that you have for your jacket or shoes, whatever it may be, um, we sit down together and collaborate and then just go from there. So website, but social media obviously is always like the biggest help, like just sharing and posting, which a lot of my good friends do. And it's just really amazing. How uh, do we find you on Instagram um, or Facebook? It's or? just a uh, breaking darkness apparel. So Facebook, um, and Instagram, it's going to be the same. It's breaking darkness apparel. Um, it's the black logo with the pink letters, But yeah, just go on there. Um, You can send like direct messages there, um, but also see like everything from the beginning, the very beginning. I I look back at those pages and I'm like my very first picture where I was just posting scriptures because I had nothing started yet. I had no content. I had no jackets made. I had nothing, but I was like, I just need to post something. And so I was just like, okay, what, what, what are the scriptures that, you know, that speak of the brand and what it's going to be. And so it's really cool to go back and the look The point at is to start posting. Yeah. Yes, girl. Like the, it's so important. I, I just started doing reels too. And like, those are a hit. Oh like, yeah. Reels. I'm like, where have I been this whole time? Yes. Cause people have been telling me that you need to get on TikTok, And I'm like, I don't have time to get on TikTok. that <laughs> I don't have time to make these videos. So they brought TikTok to Instagram. And so it's like this whole thing. And I'm like. I really should get on TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody help me.
0: (laughs) Well, I just want to thank you once again for uh, making the time to come and open your heart and talk about everything because you really didn't hold back. And uh, I'm I'm sure that this testimony is going to help several people who who listen. and, And we ask that you that are listening, please share on your social media. Please share in your stories. Please share on your feed. Um, subscribe to the podcast. It's the Savage Podcast. And please share this episode with uh, somebody who who might be going through a similar situation and, and could benefit from this. Thank you so much, yeah. Rachel, for, for coming and, and once again, just opening your heart to us. Of I course. really do appreciate it.
1: Of course. Thank you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a wrap for us. Thank you so much for listening. This episode was brought to you by Savage Coffee Company. We're located on 12221 Alamo Ranch Parkway. We are a coffee shop open Tuesday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 1, Saturdays 8 to 2.